thought about the relationships that exist in your life. I mean, are you one of those people that you have like one best friend? You have like a single best friend. Your whole life is kind of wrapped up in that relationship. Um, if you can think back to like middle school dating relationships where like your entire world blurs out except for that one person that you're dating. And by dating, obviously, you mean you have science together. But, you know, you just have that one single relationship that's important to you and everything else pushes away? Or are you the kind of person that you have multiple best friends? And I don't mean like lots of relationships. I mean like if somebody says like, oh, do you know Steve? You're like, oh yeah, he's my best friend. And they're like, oh, okay, well, do you know Joe? Yeah, he is my best friend. Best singular friend singular, but now we have multiple. So, you know, oh, do you know uh, jo- Joanne? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's my best friend. You have those multiple best friends. Is that the kinds of relationships that you do? Do you have, you know, kind of where you have lots of friends? Maybe they're not best friends, but everybody that you know, everybody that your neighbor knows, oh, yeah, 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 we're friends. Yeah, well, my friend so-and-so. My dad is notorious for that. Like the guy that fixed his car one time. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 my, my buddy Joe down there at the car shop. I'm like, your buddy, he took money from you to fix your car. That's a transaction, not a relationship. Can I get an amen right there, right? But, but there are people in your lives like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're my friends. Or do you have the kinds of relationships, maybe with one or two people, or maybe there's lots of people where you don't have to see each other for weeks at a time, months at a time, years at a time. But man, when you do get reconnected, it's like you haven't ever been apart. You just pick right back up. I remember uh, hearing somebody talk about this just a couple weeks ago. They were talking about their college roommate, and they were talking about how they were so close in college, and then even right after college, they stayed connected, but then they had drifted apart as they got involved in their, in their business, and as they got involved in their careers, and they got involved in families. But over the last couple years, they had reconnected, and they said, you know, it's almost like we were never apart. Because as soon as we sat down across from each other, we just picked right back up and things were fine. Do you have those kinds of relationships? Well, no matter where you are on that scale, welcome to the human race. As I was looking at this week's message, I was kind of doing some studies on relationships and I was looking at friendships and I was looking at the different ways that scientists have studied humans and also studied animals and the way that they interact with others and man, they've done some fascinating studies, and, and they've seen that animals, obviously, and we know this just by watching them, but animals of different kind of species, they, they do have relationship with one another. They can communicate with one another. They, they have what some scientists even classify as friendships, and you've seen how those things take place sometimes, maybe within pets in your own home, or you see that when you go to different places and you observe them maybe in their natural habitat. But here's what scientists have proven conclusively. That human beings, more than any other uh, species, any other animal, any other type of, uh, of created being, they, they have a need for and the ability to connect in relationship far beyond anything else, anyone else. And it's the kinds of relationships that I've even described here this morning. It's the idea that, you know, where certain animals interact in certain ways, that's one type of relationship, but human beings have those types of interactions and hundreds of different kinds of interactions. You have a certain way that you interact with people on your job. You have a certain way that you interact with people in your neighborhood. You have a certain way that you interact with people in the church. You have a certain way that you interact, and it talked about the different levels of interaction, the different levels of relationship that exists in human beings. And so even though the context may be a little different, I think if you flipped all the way back to Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, what you would find is that God knew what he was talking about 
When he said in Genesis 2, 18, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. You had the created beings, you had all the birds of the air, and you had the the beasts of the field, and you had all these different kinds of animals that had been created, and then God created Adam. He created man, and after seeing all these other things, he says, no, it's not good for man to be alone. And so he creates these animals, and he allows Adam to kind of go through and name these animals and do all these different things, and we see that then out of his rib, he creates woman. And so we see, though the context is different, that relationship was needed for man that was different than the relationships that were needed for the other created beings. And here's a quote that I ran across that I thought was pretty scary, especially if you consider some of your friends. I could not find a source, so I'm going to say unknown, but just know that it's not me, so I'm not trying to take credit for it. You are who you hang out with. Think about that. Think about the people you were with yesterday. Think about the people that you are going to have lunch with today. Think about the people that you will spend eight hours with tomorrow. You are who you hang out with. That's scary. And because I know some of you, and I know some of you well, and I know some of the relationships that you have in your lives, it might be better for you to be alone a little more often than to hang out with some of the people that you call friends in your life. Trevor, hush. And I can say that because I know he's referring to the fact that he hangs out with me a lot. But here's, here's what I want us to know. As we continue in this series that we started last week, this idea of being centered, as the world is going crazy, as the news cycles continue to get worse and worse, it seems, as we are just now starting on what will be a 15-more-month journey into the politics of our nation before we ever actually declare a winner, and the news is crazy, and the world is crazy, and there's chaos, and it's, it's really a call for us to recenter our lives on the things that matter. And for us as a church, what we believe matters is that Christ-centered life. We, we exist to help people live a Christ-centered life. And last week, we talked about this idea of being centered in God. Obviously, that's what we just prayed. It's what we just sang. But it's this idea that no matter what's going on, that our lives are centered in God and in the truth of God, in the reality of God, because we believe that that's what withstands all the other things that we'll face in our lives. And so today we want to take that a step further. We want to develop that idea a little further and look at this idea of being centered in community. Because yes, it is important. Yes, it is the most important thing to be centered in God. But once you get centered in God, then what is the call for you to take another step? What's the next step for you in that relationship with God? And I believe it to be community. I believe it to be uh, being connected to other people. If you got a Bible, flip with me to the book of First Peter. We spent a little time in First Peter last week. We'll spend a little time each week in First Peter. But today we're going to look at First Peter chapter 2. And we're going to look at a passage here as the writer of First Peter. Peter is addressing a group of people, a group of Christians who are being persecuted. And what I mean is for their faith, because they have declared that they believe in God, they believe in the way that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, because they've declared that they believe in that, they are kind of being persecuted for that. Some of them are are being put in jail. Some of them are being beaten. Some of them are being uh, separated from their families. 
Um, some of them, really, there's a fear of death, and they even know some people in the, in the church there, the, the first century church, that have been put to death. And so Peter's writing to encourage them about a lot of things. And so what we're going to read here is that Peter's wanting them to know that even in a season where they seem isolated, where they feel like they are alone in their persecution, he wants them to know that there's a much larger story taking place. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, let's read this. It says, But you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What Peter is saying here is that Even in the season where you are, where you feel like you are being persecuted and you may feel alone or you may feel isolated, maybe you can't gather together with other believers in this season when you want to or as often as you want to. What you need to know is that you are a part of a larger story and a larger group of God's people. Some of the language that exists here about this chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, a people for his own possession, it it echoes back to the story of the children of Israel in the Old Testament. When they were coming out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness, but they were not yet to the promised land, and God is trying to help them through Moses see that he is establishing them as a people. He's establishing them as a chosen race, a chosen nation. He is setting them up to be something separate from the world, but not alone to be together in that separateness, if that makes sense. And so we see a lot of the same language. We see a lot of connection there of what God was saying then and what God's saying now through the words of Peter here. And so these people that are being persecuted, these people that are trying to figure out how to live for God, they've centered their life on God. And he said, listen, as you walked out of the darkness into the marvelous light, as God showed you mercy because you hadn't received mercy, but now you have, what you need to understand is as you're centered on God, you also need to understand that you're connected in community to other people. You're connected in relationship with others who are walking a similar or the exact same type of journey that you are on, and that's important for us because we all are trying to figure out if we are the only ones who are experiencing what we're experiencing. We're all trying to figure out how this connects to our life, how how the things that are going on in our lives, how they're connected to other people. And so just for a minute, I want you to turn your attention back to the screen, and I want you to hear from somebody from our church. Uh, John Kim has been attending our church for a little while, he and his two sons, and I want you to hear a little bit of his story about how he got connected, not just to our church, but also to one of our life groups, and really how that's helped impact his family and his life, and then we'll come back together. Turn your attention to the screen. I'm here with John Kim. He and his sons, Jonah and London, have attended our campus for about a year and a half now. But John, it didn't, it didn't start out that way. You guys didn't just show up on a Sunday morning and, and start attending our church. You actually first uh, started attending one of our life groups. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you got connected with Don and Quincy Edwards and began attending their group? Yeah, um, so I was, uh, at the time, Jonah was about three, year old, three years old, I believe, and I was uh, coaching his soccer team. Um, we're in the Upwards program, the Upwards Soccer League, and uh, I was actually set to coach that team by myself, and um, I got a phone call one day from uh, 
Quincy actually, and he had told me that he was interested in helping me coach. So his son, his his son, um, was actually on on Jonah's team. So um, I said, "Great, right? So, I mean, all the help that I could need, right? So sure. uh, I could get." Um, so and that ended up being just a great experience. Um, I got to know uh, Quincy really well, um, and Don, also Don. Um, through that process, so over the next two or three months, it was it was just great. And um, you know, uh, near the end of that season, I believe, um, you know, they um, were talking to me. You know, church came up. Um, I you know I told them that I was uh, at a, another local church that I wasn't you know ex- uh, that all that happy with. You know, and you know they were like, hey, why don't you check this check this church out? We come come to one of one of our life groups, and um, checked it out, and it was. It was great. It was amazing. You know that that was definitely my first step step into MCAN. Yeah. So so what was it about Don and Quincy's group that after you went the first time you felt like yeah this is something that I want to be a part of? Like what kept you coming back and, and getting involved in their group? Yeah, I, I think uh, one. I mean, uh, the Edwards is great. I, for, uh, and you know the Edwards. I mean, they, they're Absolutely. they're amazing. They just kind of just uh, open arms, right? Um, the um, the setting was in their house. Uh, they were. Uh, you know, welcome this like family. Um, the intimacy with this small group was just amazing. I mean, you could really uh, have conversations and actually connect with people, and um, um, you know, and we got to uh, uh, got to a level of connection. You know, um, along with the faith piece, but just everything else. You know, just um, uh, the the support. Um, you know, at the time I was also going through um, and, and still am partially going through some tough times um, in my personal life uh-huh. that. Uh, you know, just uh, really, it helped. I mean, it was big, and and for the kids as well. I mean, just having the kids be able to, um, uh, I mean, they loved going uh, to to that works house. I mean, they looked forward to it every time. So just um, them them just really loving that experience was was also important too. Yeah. So then, several months after you were attending uh, Don and Quincy's group faithfully, um, you decided to come and bring your boys and and come and start being a part of of our church here on Sunday mornings. So. What were some of the factors that, that led you to not just stay a part of just the life group, but to venture out and come and be a part of our church? Yeah, I think that was an important transition. I think uh, there are a couple of things, but I think, again, uh, the, uh, the intimacy of, of the church. Um, I really liked, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jeremy uh, and uh, just how, how intimate uh, the group was, um, the church setting was. I really, uh, for the children as well, um, they really uh, enjoyed uh, going to church as well. So I, I just think the whole experience was just really good. Mm-hmm. So what would you say are the things that, you know, after you attended the life group and then you made the transition to our church on and, and have been coming regularly on Sunday mornings, like what's really was what was really the deciding factor that you said, yeah, this is the place that, that it's for me and my boys. Like I want my family to land here. This is the place for us. Like what's the thing that keeps you coming back and keeps you connected? Uh, the people. I mean, absolutely. I mean, just... The, the people. I mean, I, 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 making that first connection in the life group was, I think, really important. And then um, being able to come back um, on a Sunday and to, and to share that, uh, that, that special morning, you know, um, um, as often as possible with the people that I made connections with um, in the life group setting, life group setting, and as well just uh, starting to meet other people, um, uh, I think is, is huge. I mean, it's been, it's been great. Yeah, well, that's awesome. And we're so glad that you and your sons are a part of our church. And I just want to thank you for your time. Yeah, I appreciate you. it. Yeah, Thanks. Absolutely. When I was a kid, I learned this. Maybe you 
learned it or heard it too. But it says, here's the church, and here's the steeple, and you open it up, and you get the preacher. No, what, what did it say? There's all the people. That's what you heard John say, right? Blake said, hey, what was it that just kept you coming back? What was it that really you connected to in the church? And I mean, he said, you know, Jeremy was nice. I, th- I appreciate him throwing that in there. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm nice, but... You know what he said? It was you. He said, like, it was soccer, and then it was a life group with people, and then it was a church with people, and that's what made the impact. Here's the church, and here's the steeple, and soccer turns into a group and into a church filled with people. And I don't know about you, like I, I don't know your life, I don't know your personality, because like I can hear it. I can hear you saying it right now, but Jeremy, I'm an introvert. Like, Jeremy, I'm not a part of a life group. I mean, if truth be told, I don't really like people. <laughs> and some of you are laughing because you're nervous, because you really don't like people. And you're like, thank God they didn't end up on my soccer team. And <laughs> No, because you're, I, I can hear it. I know, I know where you're at. You're, you're like, man, I... But here, here's the reality that we know. We can find community anywhere. I'm willing to admit that today. This is not that, like, preacher sticking his head in the sand, like, hey, you can only find community in the church. That's not true. You can find community on a soccer team. You can find community in your neighborhood. You can find community on your job with your coworkers. You can find community a lot of different places. The church doesn't have the corner market on community. The church has the corner market on purposeful community. And here's what I mean by that. I mean this idea that the existence of community within the church is supposed to be about a higher purpose. It's about forming us into a chosen people a royal priesthood. It's about connecting with other people who had not received mercy, but now have received mercy, as Peter was telling a group of people who sensed isolation. And I realized that some you go, well, I've got friends. I've got friends other places. I've got people other places. But here's what I want you to know. If, If you are trying to figure out where community happens on purpose, I believe it happens in the church. And if it's not, it should be. Hebrews chapter 10, this is not on the screen, says this in verses 24 and 25. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. He said, listen, if you want to stir up love and good deeds in other people, then you don't need to neglect meeting together. You need to make a priority of meeting together, whatever that looks like for you. You need to make sure that you are together with people on purpose who are a people of purpose. You need to prioritize that in your life. You need to make sure that that's something that you are intentional about because you never know when someone you meet is going to be a pivotal person in your life. Do you? Do we? I mean, think back about it. 
how did you meet your spouse if you're married? How did you meet your spouse? Here, here's how I met my spouse. I'm going to reenact it for you, okay? I'm 13 years old. I'm at a church summer camp, and I'm walking down a sidewalk. This will be the sidewalk, okay? And as I'm walking down the sidewalk at 13 years old, I'm a 13-year-old boy. Here's what I do. Because there was a group of three 13-ish-year-old girls walking down that sidewalk, and one of them was Corey. Little did I know, little did I know that that glance would turn into four kids in Cleveland, Tennessee, and Mobile, Alabama, and Atlanta, Georgia. Little did I know, because none of us know. None of us know. So kids, you need to make sure you go to summer camp next summer. You're welcome. How did you meet your spouse? Maybe it wasn't like that. Maybe you were sitting in a room and your eyes met across the way and she was actually looking at the guy beside you. And right, How'd you meet? We don't know how that first interaction, how we meet someone and it's going to be pivotal. How, how did you meet your best friend? How did you meet the guy that got you the interview with the job that you now love and have been working at for five years? It was random, like you were both waiting in line at a rental car place. Your flight had been delayed, and you're standing there, and you're like, man, this is so frustrating. I hate my job. And he's like, really? We're hiring. Like, how did we, and you're like, can I go to that car rental place? We don't know how relationships are going to impact our life. John talked about meeting the Edwards on a soccer team. And it turned into a life group, and it turned into church, and it turned into people, turned into community, turned into you. And again, I know, you, you say, well, I'm an introvert. I'm scared to talk to people. My kids don't play soccer. I, I'm not going to join a life group. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, just, I come to church to sing and worship or hear a sermon. or I, I hear your arguments. I get it. But I believe that our lives are to be centered on God and on community. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. I get the context is different, but there's something about aloneness that he's trying to keep you away from. And I realize that for some of you, you feel alone right now. You say, man, that's a great story. But, man, we were singing about it, that the storms are coming, the, the waves are crashing, and my house is falling apart. And I would give anything to have somebody. I'd give anything to have somebody to talk to. I'd give anything to have community and have relationship where I could just unload my heart and my mind and the things that are going on, but I don't have it. I want to show you a picture, and then I want to read you a story. Throw the picture up there, guys. I don't know if you can see it. It, it, We tried to stretch it, but it distorted it a little bit. There's a man sitting on that front pew right there. This is our Marietta campus. It's the main floor of the Marietta campus there. And this was last week. I didn't take the picture. It was taken by someone else. And I'm going to read a little bit of the story about when they took this picture. It was during the middle of the day. And 
this man evidently had just walked into the open sanctuary there to pray. I have no idea what was going on in his life. I I don't know who this man is. We've gotten permission to share this story. And we think one of the staff members at Marietta thinks they know who it is. And so they're actually following up to see how we might conserve. And they may have already done that before this morning. But this was posted on Instagram. And I want to read you the story and the caption that accompanied this picture. Here's what it says. So I work at Mount Perrin North Church as a facilities worker, and as I was polishing the brass of the balcony, I saw this man walk in, look around, and sit down. He obviously had come there for some quiet praying, so I didn't say anything, and I tried to be as discreet with my cleaning as possible. I continued polishing and got to a stopping point and looked down at the man from the balcony, who was now visibly crying and wiping away tears. In that very moment, I had to stop and sit down. I was a mess. I was bawling my eyes out just at how he was so hurt. I still said nothing. But it was seeing another human in so much anguish and pain that it literally was contagious. And I cried with him even though he never saw me. I say this just to remind you that regardless of any factor, you are a human. It doesn't matter your skin color or what you look like. You're a human being just like everyone else. I'm not religious, but this seriously tore me up. I hope, if nothing else, this inspires you to be more tolerable and understanding of people. A man walks into an empty room to pray. And some other human being is in the room and connects on an emotional level to what this man is experiencing and shares in that. Now, this man probably still felt alone in his prayers. He may have still felt alone in the quiet solitude of that room, but he wasn't alone. There was someone else in the room experiencing the same emotion. And I believe with all of my heart That that picture is the picture of your life. That even when you feel alone, this morning God wants you to know that you're not. There's someone, if you want this picture, who's looking down on your situation. And who says, when you cry, I cry. When you're broken, I'm broken. When you're happy, I'm happy because you are not alone. Because we know the names of Scripture, Adam and Eve, Noah and Abraham, Joseph and Moses, Joshua and Rahab, David and Esther, Nehemiah, Jesus, Peter, Paul, Timothy, and John, we may assume that God is into the stories of isolated individuals. And a little bit, he is. But we forget that Adam's story was incomplete without Eve. Noah's story wasn't about solitude, but about his family being saved on that boat with him. Abraham's covenant with God was about generations of people he would never meet. Joseph's dream was about the salvation of his family and his people. 
Moses led millions out of captivity, and Joshua led those same millions into the promise. Rahab overcame her reputation by saving Israeli spies. David ruled a nation by rallying an army of outcasts, and Esther was chosen for the palace to speak on behalf of her people who had to remain silent. Nehemiah rebuilt a wall to protect his people from their enemies, and Jesus recruited 12 disciples to do life with. Peter received a vision and took the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul planted churches filled with people from across the known world. Timothy was his protege. John received a vision so we would know what the future held. Every story in scripture has similar qualities. It's not about isolation. It's about the people. We pray a sinner's prayer and we tell you that it's all about your personal relationship with God and it is. But God does not intend you to walk through life alone. God said, no, I placed you on this earth to live in community. The narrative of scripture is about humanity being reconciled back to God together and individually. The reality for all of us is that these stories help us to see that it's about people in our lives. So that when you sign up to coach soccer, you have no idea who God puts on that team with your kid. But are you open? Are you looking? Are your eyes open to seeking community? You're standing in the line at the car rental place. You're frustrated, but are you open? You get out of your car at work and you're running late because traffic was bad and you get on the elevator with all these other people who are running late, but are you open? Because you never know when someone in your life walked into a room by themselves asking God to send somebody else into the room. God, I'm going to get on this elevator. Can you just send me one friend today? God, I'm so frustrated and I got to get this car, but when I get into my rental car and I'm driving to that appointment, God, at some point today, would you just send somebody my way? Because I'm so alone. Or maybe... You're that guy. Maybe you're that girl. And you come in and you sit and you say, God, would you send somebody my way? One of the saddest statistics I've ever read says that 82% of people in the church are lonely. 82% of people in the church are lonely. And, And I can't solve that by myself. 
Because here's the church and here's the steeple, but the pastor doesn't have all the answers. And so we're just left with a group of people. And you can choose to walk in here on Sundays and sit and listen and stare and participate on some level and turn around and walk back out. But I don't know that that's what we've been called to. I think that our lives have to be centered in community. And so our church has a ministry that you heard John talking about. It's called Life Groups. And I can't promise you that if you sign up for a life group, you're going to meet your spouse or your new best friend. I can't promise you that you're going to walk in there and be able to open up your heart in the first meeting and share your deepest, darkest secrets. And someone will receive that and connect to that and go, I've walked the same road. I can't promise that. But here's what I can promise you. If you don't try, you'll never know. And so throw the screen up, guys. There's two ways we get info and register for groups. You can text GLIFE to 770-691-2100, and they'll send you some information back. And you can actually register for groups that way. Or you can just go to mpncanton.com slash groups. And you go, man, that's a kind of a sales pitch. Yeah. I mean, unapologetically, this is the best place to find community in our church. Making no apologies today, I'll do whatever I have to do to lower 82% being lonely. And if that means putting up a text code or a website, I'll do it. Because I refuse to stand still and you to walk out that door and say, there's nobody at this church that I can connect to. That's a lie from the enemy. You're just scared. You're just afraid. I get it. You're just an introvert. I get it. It's uncomfortable. I don't know these people. I get it. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. You are here with a bunch of people. And I believe that God is saying to you, it's not good for you to be alone. Take a step. Take a risk. Step out and connect in community. Connect in community. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. And I just want to pray a prayer. And then Sean's going to sing a chorus as we close. And then maybe as he's singing, you, you do the most spiritual thing you can do. And you take out your cell phone and you respond to the things that are on the screen. God, I pray today for everyone in this room. I thank you that we have the opportunity to be connected to one another in community. I know it's a risk. I know it may, may be uncomfortable. I'm not trying to over-spiritualize something that may not be spiritual, but I believe with all of my heart that there's power in community. And the best way to get in community in this church is through life groups. It's the best way. And so, God, we want to leverage that method and those means as best we can to connect people together. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to have the courage, to have the faith, to step out, 
And God, now I pray for every person in this room who feels lonely. They identify with this picture because that's them sitting on that pew. I pray right now that you would help bring people into their lives, but I also pray for them to have the courage to take a risk and to try to engage in relationship and invest in relationship. God, help them today. Give them a sense that you are with them, that they are not alone. Bring someone across their path today and tomorrow who can encourage them and connect to them. Help them see the relationships that they do have and help them to invest in those relationships. God, first and foremost, let our lives be centered in you. And secondly, let us be centered in community with one another. I thank you, God, for all that you're doing in our lives. And I pray that we would not find ourselves alone because you desire us to be connected in community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.